coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, happy Tuesday to you. Thank you for listening, whether it's on the America One Radio app at AmericaOneRadio.com or wherever you podcast. I appreciate you doing the tune-in thing. I think you can actually listen on TuneIn, too. I'll look into that. You can also tell A-L-E-X-A to enable the America One Radio app or skill. Is it the skill? It's the app. The America One Radio app. And she'll play whatever's airing on America One Radio. That would be me between 5 and 6 p.m. in case you're wondering. Like if you podcast and you're like, oh, I like listening to this at night or first thing in the morning the next day, you actually can hear it weekdays 5 to 6 p.m. first. There you go. Look at me taking you to school. That is my way of segueing into the fact that this is the first day of school for a lot of school systems. And it's August 1st. That just feels foreign to me. One, because it's still 9 billion degrees outside. Also, because I I don't know, when did this happen? When did this, this, this generational change from when I was a kid growing up, back in my day... It felt like we were going to school, I want to say the week before Labor Day, like maybe the last week of August, and all of a sudden, we are sending kids back to school. Literally, July just ended, and we're sending kids to school August 1st. Uh, They started uh, in Atlanta City, Cobb County, uh, Decatur City, Cherokee, Rockdale, and Paulding Counties. Um... Other districts will start later this week, including Clayton County, which, by the way, <clears throat> pardon me, I understand has like a 291 teacher shortage. How does that happen? Clayton County, get to hiring. Uh, let's see, also later this week, DeKalb County, Douglas, Fayette, uh, Gwinnett, Forsyth, Henry, and um, the city school systems in uh, Marietta and Buford. Oh, this is my opportunity to give a shout out to Marietta Public Schools Superintendent Grant Rivera. Really good guy. Uh, He, sorry, I and his wife work together in radio and know the kids. They're gorgeous little girls and a great family. Grant's a good guy. Also featured in 60 Minutes a couple years ago, I want to say, like in the height of the whole COVID mask lockdown. Just awful good guy. Good family. Always happy to see them. It's funny, as much as I'm sitting here surmising that it feels like kids are going back to school too early, I actually believe year-round schooling is the way to go. And there have been countless studies that have been done about uh, retention and and, and, and and sort of having to review when kids get back into school. I would imagine most of that's at the younger end. It usually doesn't take too long to fire up the synapses, I would say, for the grades, I don't know, wait, 7 through 12, you would think. Uh, but there's a lot of that reviewing that goes on when the kids get back to school. You got to get back into the process of things and there's reviewing paperwork at the administrative level. It takes everybody a little while to kind of get their bearings, right? Uh, I mean, think about this. Today is a Tuesday. So why would the first day of school be on a Tuesday? A lot of that is let's just kind of work out the kinks here early a little bit. But I, I, I do believe in year-round school. A lot, if, I, if not, I want to say most of the first world they don't do the summer vacation thing the way we do. And it wasn't just about building vacation time up as much as 
our school calendar in the United States is a throwback to when we were an agrarian society, a more agrarian society, meaning Ma and Pa needed little Timmy, little Becky available in May, June, July, and August to help on the farm. That's, I'm not making this up. That is why we still, to this day, have this agrarian-style scholastic calendar. Not because Timmy and Becky are still working on the farm, free labor, but <laughs> we, we had a war about that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but because in, in the absence of the agrarian lifestyle developed the summer vacation industry. Yeah. So you know that the idea of year-round schooling has been floated at local, state, and federal levels throughout the United States and has been fought vehemently by the travel industry. Yeah. And it's understandable why they oppose uh, a year-round calendar. And let's, by the way, talk about what that means, a year-round calendar. It doesn't mean that kids don't get as much time off. It just means that the breaks are spread out a little more evenly. Uh, No, in the tourism industry, you have to imagine, first of all, if all the school systems go to uh, some sort of a a year-round calendar and and moving their breaks around, well, not all the school systems are going to be on break at the same time. I mean, spring breaks are all, you know, staggered, right? Uh, The winter break is normally, you know, somewhere around Christmas, encompasses Christmas and New Year's, but the spring breaks don't have to, the summer breaks wouldn't either. Perhaps a, a fall break wouldn't come with any holiday or anything like that. So there could be disruptions to the normal travel boom season. So tourism-related businesses would be losing money during those peak summer months when they just have no idea. Although I would argue that if if the school systems all have their breaks scattered about through the summer, then why wouldn't the, the summer vacation season still happen when it happens? I don't know. But also consider where they lose labor force. Because high school and college students uh, who attend year-round classes, they're not available to work during those peak tourism seasons. And the businesses that would normally employ that younger labor would do so at a cheaper rate. So it would also eat into their bottom line if they had to hire adults at better pay to do the work. Lots to think about there, right? And there have been like all kinds of studies, and it's so inconclusive because there are so few school systems in the United States that even venture to try a year-round calendar. I want to say it's gone from like slightly above 6% to like barely more than 3% in the last five years. It's really, it's shrunk. I, I would have thought it would be a growing trend, especially considering now we're sending kids to school on August 1st instead of August 21st like when I was a kid. But the jury's still out on the educational benefits if it actually does uh, boost uh, retention, intellectual retention, or if there's any negligible effect whatsoever. And then you have to wonder, when you start diving into these studies, and I've done a little bit of Googling on this, but not a whole, I don't even know how I got, just I just cracked the mic today and just went off, right? Uh, but there are varying degrees of evidence to the pro and the contrary. The thing you always have to worry about when you start looking this stuff up willy-nilly, and that's why I'm not going to do it right now to just foster this conversation, is 
it's hard to determine the junk research, the junk science, the stuff that's been funded by uh, a travel or tourism industry board or something along those lines that is looking to give some leading information or just good straight research and data mining and extrapolating. It's just hard to know who's BSing you and who's giving it to you straight, right? I will say this. I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Was I don't know, just out of blue, just messaged me and said, uh, it's incredibly too hot for football. And by the way, this is a dyed-in-the-wool conservative, complete conservative. <laughs> and so, you know, me and my smart mouth, uh, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. When I get this Texas out of the blue, the text said, I'm on a personal mission to see all middle school and JV football games change to 7.30 p.m. start times. Uh, apparently, some middle schools have moved their start times um, like anywhere from 4.30 to 6 and JV from 5 to 6. Uh, but that's not enough, especially with the new artificial turf escalating field temps by 5 to 7 degrees. Oh. And a lot of the schools are rolling with that artificial turf because they don't have to pay somebody to cut the grass now, right? Anyway, uh, I thought thought that was interesting. So uh, my response was, are you admitting that climate change is real? Because, but again, this, this comes down to school starting August 1st. Yeah, it's hot as hell. And it's always hot in August, right? But when you're a kid and you're playing football, or for example, when I was in the band growing up, we had band week for a week or two beforehand, uh, hand, uh, band camp, where we were practicing our halftime show on the blacktop asphalt in late July, early August. Really smart, right? Really, but if the football team won't let you practice on the grass, you got to practice on the parking lot. And so that's why when you go to a lot of high school campuses and you see funny uh, spray-painted straight lines that don't match the parking stripes, that's usually why, because your high school band is practicing on the blacktop surface. But I, I would agree that like these these uh, high school athletes, uh, the football players, with all the gear on and the breathing suppression from wearing a helmet and the inescapability of that cranial heat to leave because of the helmet, it's uh, I mean it's no wonder we have you know these 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 kids just passing out left and right, and I know that. Coaches are more aware now of hydration and 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 watching play, but it's it's just too damn hot. It just is. And if I, a spectator, am saying I'm not going to a football, I, in fact, I said this to a friend of mine the other day. He asked me if I wanted to go to a Braves game. Oh, the Angels are in town. Uh uh-uh. uh, it's too damn hot. No, I love the Braves. Don't get me wrong. I love the. I would love to see Sho, uh, Shohei Otani play, but I can do that on TV in my own home, air conditioning on and won't possibly suffer a heat stroke. And that's not to say, I mean, look, they had a sellout last night. They'll probably sell out again. That's not to say don't go. I'm, You know, go, but make sure you got plenty of water. Remember last week we were talking going into the weekend, and through this week, by the way, that the Braves were letting ticket holders know about some cooling scenarios and offering some tips to stay cool at the game because of this record-setting heat. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not watching high school football in person in August. That's just ugh, no thanks. And again, not just the football players wearing all that gear, all the pads, the jerseys, the helmet, yada yada yada. Then you got the band in those 
wool or mixed fabric uniforms, and some of them carrying massive bass drums uh, or tubas, and of course, trying to breathe through an instrument. It's it's too hot for this stuff, y'all. And sad to say, I, I see a lot of folks sharing this meme. Oh, don't complain about this summer. It might be the coolest we have for the rest of your life. But there's some truth to that, right? I mean, we're we're seeing temperatures creep up and like I, did we not just set a a world record on water temperature? They, they were talking about the 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 100 degree water off the tip of the uh, very southern tip of Florida. I think that prior record was set in 2020, so obviously we see the trend there. Yeah. Um I feel like school is starting a little too early, but I definitely feel like football season is coming a little too fast, and it's way too hot for that as well. All right, how about that for a first segment? <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Ron Show. Back in a minute on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Tuesday. While Marjorie Taylor Greene goes before Congress and shows Hunter Biden pics to everyone there, the real porn that liberals are waiting for? Oh, it's the Donald Trump mugshot. And Fulton County Sheriff Pat Labatt is tantalizing us with the prospects of just such a thing. Now, we all know over the weekend, Fulton District Attorney Fonnie Willis said about her grand jury probe and looming indictments. The work is accomplished. We've been working for two and a half years. We're ready to go. But apparently so is the photog at the Fulton County Sheriff's Department. Pat Labatt told reporters today that if Donald Trump is indicted, he'd likely be booked and photographed like every other detainee. Ooh. I think I just got excited. Um, <laughs> Labatt told reporters, it doesn't matter your status. Said that his team would be ready, quote, if an indictment came today. I'm wondering if he's going to get fingerprinted too. I mean, does he need to be? He's Donald Trump. You know, he's a former president. It's not like the Secret Service is going to lose sight of him, right? Speaking of that guy, TFG, Donald John Trump. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever walked down the hallways at your office, your job, wherever you work, and you kind of see something as you walk by a room, and then you kind of stop and reverse and kind of do that lean back look like, are they? So apparently now... Folks are getting subpoenaed uh, to appear before the Fulton grand juries in the Trump probe. Uh, Tamar Holleran with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution tweeting, confirming CNN report that former Democratic state senator Jen Jordan was subpoenaed to appear before the Fulton grand juries in the Trump probe. Uh, Jordan spoke to the previous grand jury about sitting through the Giuliani State Farm hearing and stumbling upon the GOP fake elector meeting. Mm. So uh, that is new today. Uh, Late yesterday, we found out that friend and guest of the show, George Chidi, who is a local journalist, uh, he apparently observed the uh, GOP elector meeting as well. He too has been subpoenaed. The uh, AJC reporting, and Tamar Holloman on this story as well, uh, wrote an independent journalist who stumbled upon the December 2020 meeting of, quote, alternate GOP electors at the Georgia Capitol was subpoenaed to be a witness before two Fulton County grand juries, one of which is expected to decide in the weeks ahead, I say before August 18th, uh, whether to indict former President 
Donald Trump and others. So that would be George Seedy, who uh, uh, we've had on the show here a couple weeks ago. As a matter of fact, he writes that online newsletter, The Atlanta Objective. Anyway, he tweeted this uh, late yesterday that uh, he received two subpoenas requiring him to testify at some point between August 7th and August 31st. Again, I think we're going to get these indictments before the 18th, but I'm just guessing. Based on the tea leaves, actually, because we said yesterday that uh, the uh, Fulton Magistrate Court has moved just about everything on the docket between now and August 18th to virtual or Zoom-style court hearings in anticipation of something in case you've kind of lost sight of that whole like fake elector story, by the way, tomorrow does a great piece. I'll share it in today's show notes at uh, ronshowatl.com. Uh, further down, at least eight of the 16 GOP fake electors have been offered immunity deals by Fulton prosecutors in exchange for their cooperation. Attorneys for former Georgia GOP chairman David Schaefer, an elector who helped organize the meeting, have stepped up their efforts to ward off an indictment in recent weeks, arguing their client was following legal advice from Giuliani (laughs) and that there was historic precedent for the meeting. I'll say, yes, an insurrection, the derailing of the peaceful transfer of power would definitely be historic, just not legal. Hollerman continues to tell the story of how Chidi was at the state capitol uh, December 14th, the year 2020, when uh, the state's official presidential electors were preparing to cast Georgia's 16 electoral college votes for Joe Biden, the first Democrat to carry the state in 28 years. Uh, The story continues. His curiosity was piqued when he saw some Republicans he recognized walking into a room downstairs from where the formal ceremony was being held. He had uh, previously told this story to the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution podcast, Breakdown. He began recording on his cell phone, but was quickly ushered out of the room. Chidi said he was told it was an education meeting, and that afterwards, organizers sent someone to stand outside the room so no one else could enter. Well, there's nothing fishy about that. The story continues, eventually, the organizers allowed press into the room to witness the ceremony. By the way, new polling came out that showed that uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, uh, apparently in a dead heat, according to a New York Times Siena College poll. We talked a little bit about this polling yesterday. Uh, They both show at 43%, which means 14% haven't decided. There was actually a great, really good breakdown in an email that came from the New York Times today that talked about the none of the above, the NOTA voter, that 14% that can't decide between Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Uh, I... And, and when you read through this, uh, can I share this? I, I'll try and share today's show notes. I think I can, maybe. Uh, it talks about how there is this basically glass ceiling now. Isn't there some irony in that? Uh, for Donald Trump, like he's uh, that 43% is not likely to get any better. There is also the looming scepter of the economy not doing what a lot of folks expected it to do by now, if not before. The recession or soft landing, economic indicator, Morgan Stanley, they're just, they're suddenly optimistic about the economy moving forward. And that obviously benefits the incumbent president, right? Uh, Inflation has flattened. It's not gone down, but it's flattened, which gives your take-home pay an opportunity to start catching up. Um, Yeah, there's, there's every reason to think that while we're looking at a 43-43 dead heat and going, oh my God, what kind of trouble are we? Listen, there's 
only 50, I say only, there's 54% of GOP voters who are steadfastly voting for Donald Trump in the GOP primary. And then there's 46% who ain't excited about him being their nominee and or their president. There's going to be some of that 46% that are going to not be excited about voting for him for president who may just stay home. And listen, there's an enthusiasm gap on the left side as well. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of folks who are not excited about a second Joe Biden presidential campaign, not so much because of the results of the first year, but it's hard to ignore. He's no spring chicken. How is the best case scenario, Joe Biden? <laughs> admitting how catchy this is. <laughs> I don't know, but that is so catchy. More Rancho after this on America One Radio or wherever you podcast. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. So how many of you, and I'm putting my hand up with you, how many of you just eyes glaze over the minute somebody starts talking about the whole Hunter Biden house oversight committee? Oh my God. Okay, we get it. The guy has had his issues, both with substance abuse and um, his proclivities with performers (laughs) in their extracurricular activities. But that, that being said, there's just not a lot of there there. And you got to watch where you're getting your news from, or you would think, oh my God, bombshell, or oh my God. This is just another dude saying something and then nothing comes up. The the Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Matt Gates, the Jim Jordan, you know, wing of the GOP House had a really bad day yesterday because Devin Archer, their star witness, a former business partner of one Hunter Biden, testified before that oversight committee uh, after a lot of those on the right promised that Archer's testimony was going to just blow blow minds. Lid was going to come off the building. All these conspiracy theories they've been baking up to bring into existence and tie Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's business dealings. You know, they've created this whole Biden crime syndicate, the family. <laughs> and there's just nothing that comes of this. I literally uh, I had a back and forth today with, with someone who asked me, are you comfortable with all you know about the Biden family crime syndicate? I forget how it was worded. It was just absurd. I mean, no, I'm not un- uncomfortable at all with what I've learned about the Biden family. I mean, I, it's a little weird, but it's none of my business. It's a little, and everybody, every family has this, right? It's a little odd to me that... You can point out things like, oh, uh, the the Bidens only put up six stockings for the grandkids, and there's the seventh, the one that nobody talked about, from a Hunter Biden tryst. That's none of my business. It's it's just, it's not. And I, I I guess I could wonder why uh, Joe and Dr. Jill don't hang a stock. It's none of my business. It's really nobody's business. That's the thing. And... While the Republicans, again, to me is like one of the sickest things about this Hunter Biden thing is like they're dealing with a man who has had his struggles with substance abuse before. Okay, and in this country, in this day and age, who hasn't? 
it's it's they're they're kind of walking this tightrope because the Trump base in a lot of the ex-urban and rural parts of the country, state, and all the states, like opioid addiction is a big deal. Substance abuse is something all families in those areas of the country are fighting with someone in their midst. So to to to, to walk this tightrope where you're going to make Hunter Biden out to be this you know, devious lech, this, uh, you know, sinful, uh, careful, careful, because this, this is affecting a lot of folks. Never mind the fact that like Hunter Biden went through a lot, a lot. I mean, he's, he, he was, you know, he was in the car. He was in a car accident with his mother, lost another, lost his mother, lost a sibling. Hunter, his older brother died of cancer. He, Hunter Biden has been through a lot. I'm not sitting here excusing substance abuse or outrageous behavior. I'm just saying there's plenty that leads you to understand why someone would want to alter their mind from reality on occasion or well, in Hunter's case on many occasions. Anyway, the whole like Devin Archer testimony yesterday became like a huge nothing burger. So, you know, Ted Cruz was out, uh, you know, doing all of the doing all the press over the weekend, uh, getting in front of cameras, insinuating that the Biden administration was, quote, dramatically altering its story in anticipation of some explosive testimony that was supposed to come out of yesterday's oversight hearing. Well, Archer's testimony was kind of a bust. Now, he did testify that Hunter Biden called and even spoke with President Joe on speakerphone in front of friends and business acquaintances. Not while Joe was president, however. But according to Devin Archer, while under oath, they never actually talked about business. The phone calls were just social calls between a father and son. Well, that just had to be a gut punch to the, the mega crowd trying to to take out Joe Biden. Ready? I mean, they're just foaming at the mouth with these impeachment discussions. I mean, the, the ink's not even wet on the dime. They're just dying to sign something to impeach. Well, Democratic Representative Congressman Dan Goldman came out and spoke with reporters about this damning Archer testimony and summed up this desperation of the GOP, saying that it was kind of a preposterous premise to think that a father should not say hello to the people that a son is at dinner with. I mean, he's Joe Biden, for God's sake. If if Joe Biden were like someone I knew, I, you damn right. I tell people I name drop all the time, and I'm not related to anybody famous. But I name drop people that I know that are famous that I stay in touch with all every once in a while. Like, oh yeah, I was talking with Michael. You mean the actor from House of Cards? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I do that. Damn right I do. That's a friend. Of, yeah, I mean, you know, do I do it to impress people? Eh, maybe not, but he's been on the show too, right? So I gotta give him that. Here's what here's what uh, Representative Goldman said. Oh, oh, delicious. This video comes from Fox News. Oh, savor this. Uh, he did describe that there were a, a, approximately 20 occasions over the course of their uh, nearly decade-long business relationship where when one of them called the other, um, that Hunter Biden would uh, ask his father to say hello to whomever he was at dinner. Right. He said there were sometimes when it was friends and sometimes when it was uh, potential business partners or business partners. But the witness was unequivocal and stated very clearly that they never discussed 
any business on that phone conversation. There were niceties, and there was a hello, and there we talked about the weather or whatever it was, but it was never any business. And I think it's really important to remember that during this time period that we're talking about here, Bo Biden, Hunter Biden's brother, and President Biden's son became very ill with cancer and died. That was in the spring of 2015. And the witness described in vivid detail about how devastating that was to both Hunter Biden and to Joe Biden and how their communications picked up dramatically in the aftermath because Joe Biden was calling his son to check on him and Hunter Biden was calling his dad to check on him. It had nothing to do with business and that is the sum and substance of what the testimony was. Did y'all not hear me say that just a few minutes ago? Like, Hunter Biden's been through a lot. Joe has too. They've been through a lot together. So there is this natural inclination to understand why the two would stay in constant contact with one another. I know, you're thinking, okay, Ron, but that's a Democratic congressman. What would have a Republican who was in this hearing said? Well, we have GOP Congressman Andy Biggs. Uh, he is, of course, on that committee, also a Freedom Cock member who also had to attest to Goldman's summary to reporters after the fact. He was just asked if the star Hunter Biden whistleblower, Devin Archer, knew squat about President Biden accepting any bribes and... Can you talk about the bribe at all? The $5 million bribe? He he didn't know anything about it. Let me repeat what he said. He didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything about that? No. He didn't know anything about that. Do you think today's testimony made it more likely that the president should be impeached I think we should do an impeachment inquiry. Thank you. So he didn't know anything about what we've been accusing Hunter and Joe of being guilty of all this time. And then we asked him to come in and testify. He actually said he didn't recall any of that. And so we're going to go forward with the impeachment inquiry anyway. Oh, Andy. And then just a hat tip. Just got to give a hat tip to Jessica... Tarloff, she, of course, the one lone liberal member of Fox News's The Five. I mean, God bless them. They were trying to shut her down left and right over the fact that there's no there there. But Dana Perino, man, she gave it an effort. Listen to this. Yeah, we can keep it up as long as it continues that nobody has a piece of paper or a bank transfer or something legit linking President Biden, the person we care about. Everyone, I don't know a single Democrat who defends Hunter Biden or his character or anything well, can about I, him. Can I stop you there? Because I, I rarely interrupt. I know that no, that's, I, that's it. But I, I was just thinking about this. Like, so when, when you get a commission uh, position at the White House and you go in to take your, you sign the ethical papers, right? One of the things that you are asked to do is to make sure that one, you avoid a conflict of interest, yeah. but also that you avoid the appearance of a conflict of interest. And that's on the vice president, Joe Biden, at the time. No wonder President Obama was like, let me go with Hillary instead of this guy in 2016. Well, I, I think that it oh, was a God. larger issue, obviously, surrounding what Bo Biden's death and that Joe Biden was not in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. to then go mount a presidential campaign. And didn't. Yeah. I mean, Dana, Perry, where are you coming up with this? Uh President Obama tapped Hillary instead of Joe. Joe Biden wasn't running for president, Dana. You're a cable TV news mouthpiece on a prominent show, and you don't know. No, you know that. You know that. You just, well, you're on Fox News, so you're not always going to tell the truth. Uh, I'm sorry. I interrupted Ms. Tarloff. 
I agree with you. And this was a big issue in the 2020 primary. Remember, Elizabeth Warren Mm -hmm. really capitalized on this and said, in my White House, we will have restrictions that make it impossible for what happened with the relationship between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden with him serving on boards of foreign entities. So would she be critical now? I think that I'm sure the same criticism would be lobbed, but it wouldn't get you to Joe Biden is a mob boss. And that's what Republicans want. I mean, Tom Emmer, who's the number uh, three Republican, has already been on TV, says there's no piece of paper connecting them. Jim Jordan, who never met a microphone he didn't love, only said it was very productive. (laughs) Why do you think that is? If you want to say that Dan Goldman was, you know, out ahead of his skis, saying it was only the weather, et cetera, then explain to me when they had hyped up this $5 million payment and Dan Goldman says on air that Devin Archer had no idea about it. He was on the board of the company. He would absolutely know about something like that. <laughs> and that he may have been on the phone, but they didn't discuss his business dealings insofar as him being involved in them. Like, that is just still- but you're not going to. <laughs> but look at yeah. it. But, but uh, gosh, golly gee whiz, the Fox News folks are going to continue to try and make something out of nothing with this. Uh, Congressman Byron Donalds uh, on Fox News yesterday evening to say, well, isn't it a little suspicious that Joe Biden would actually answer his son's phone calls? Listen to this spin. Let me bring this to for people to really see how this makes sense. I'm a member of Congress. I have three sons. My two older sons have cell phones. If I'm in a meeting and they call me, sometimes I can't call them back. Sometimes I can't call them back for four or five or six hours. Hunter Joe Biden is at the ready waiting for Hunter's call. To be able on the phone with people to say, hey, how's the weather? This stinks to high heaven. It is public corruption. Hunter Biden is the bag man. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden is the influence peddler, pure and simple. So but but Congressman Donalds, Devin Archer was your party's witness. You you guys groomed him to come in and, and give this damning testimony. And now you're not happy with the testimony. Now that testimony stinks to high heaven. Yeah. Maybe the whole case just stinks to high heaven. I mean, I, I was talking earlier today with, uh, you know, a right-wing pun- well, radio show host Austin Rhodes, as a matter of fact. And I know he's listening, so hi, Austin. See, you get your mentions in here. It's got to help your Q profile a little bit, right? Uh, that this is so cyclical. It's almost comedic, except it's not. It costs taxpayer dollars to keep having these, these fishing expeditions. Benghazi. Whitewater, Hillary Gate, Hillary Server, all of these. I mean, it, it, the, the birth certificate, it's such a cottage industry on the right between cable news and their pundits and, yes, talk radio and politicians who do these fishing expeditions that never go anywhere because they can't find a there there. It's like the guy looking for the elusive, you know, spot. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. I don't because I date men. So, uh, but <laughs> you know what? Let's not go there. No, I'm just saying this is so cyclical. It's like a cottage industry, and cable news ratings are what they are. Fox News tends to stay in the lead because they feed the masses this crap, this diet of nothing that they just cling to. And then, of course, like everything else, like Benghazi, quietly goes away. Those All those GOP-led investigations into Benghazi, quietly went away. I mean, did you ever have that 
huge press conference, the, 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 the spray of GOP congressmen and senators having that press conference at the end of the Benghazi hearings to show you what they found? Of course not, because they found nothing. We're going to wind up with the same thing here. We're going to wind up with the whimpering away of this. And the GOP will have to get back to figuring out some other way to derail the re-election campaign of Joe Biden. It's not the economy. Stupid. It's, I, I mean, what do you, I, do, how far back do we go? Do we go back to the exit of Afghanistan? I mean, I'm happy to have that argument with you, honestly. But that had a little bit of traction for a minute, but it doesn't. What about inflation? Oh, you don't have that. What do you have now? What do you have? Well, you have a dead heat, so you're, you know, with, with your multiply indicted uh, lead horse, but, and he's got more coming, but seriously, Republicans, what do you have now? Going to have to spin something else up, it looks like, as will I, because I have one more segment after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of the Ron Show for Tuesday, and... I have to admit, while I am on TikTok, I'm not usually on it very often. I have uh, a few friends, my buddy James, my good friend Christy, oh, Jeremy from New Zealand, and every once in a while, my friend Will. Like, those are the folks that occasionally will send me TikToks, and I'll send TikToks. But I'll, I'll log on after a few weeks, go by months, sometimes even... And I'll have like a dozen or more TikToks from uh, Jeremy, New Zealand. In fact, it'll be so long that sometimes the TikToks have disappeared. They've gone away. So I uh, have to admit, I'm not a big TikToker. I think I just kind of decided I'm not really going to invest my time and energy into an app that everybody keeps threatening to shut down because it's owned by the Chinese. Um, somebody buy from the Chinese and my God. Um, America, we do that capitalism. Uh, but I have to admit, like I kind of jumped back into TikTok last night. Uh, I was just kind of bored, and uh, I, I met someone who's like all big into TikTok, and we were watching TikToks. I'm like, I forgot how funny this can be uh, when you just kind of sit there and surf through funny TikToks. This one, <laughs> this one got my attention. My son has decided to get involved in a social experiment. He is wearing a Ron DeSantis 2024 t-shirt for a week. See what happens. So far, he has been pushed, spit on, and a bottle was thrown at him. So now I'm curious what's going to happen when he goes outside. <laughs> Mom! Here's another one that I just thought was actually pretty funny. All that talk about aliens last week. I don't think, did I cover that? You know me, I'm a big old Trekkie. I should have been all over that. Did not talk about aliens in our midst because, come on. I don't know. Show me first and I'll leave it. Anyway. Well, it's official, y'all. We have reached the point of burnout where we have become master level dissociators. Yeah. Aliens are real. Cool beans. Old people that are mentally incapacitated are running the country. What else you got? We've hit a record for the hottest year in human history. Neat. Just don't knock on my door. You want to talk about triggering. <laughs> Incidentally, as we approach 6 p.m., and by the way, if you are new to the show, 
I pre-record. This is not airing live, but it does air 5 to 6 p.m. on America One Radio. So I do know this because the segment I am doing right now, which you are listening to just before 6 p.m., I'm actually rolling at around 5.27 p.m. Something was supposed to happen at 5 p.m. today that hasn't happened as of 5.27. Let me roll this from NBC News. A little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's news, but a new truth social from former President Trump. Let me just read it. He says, quote, I hear that deranged Jack Smith in order to interfere oh. with the presidential election of 2024 will be putting out yet another fake indictment of your favorite president, me, at 5 p.m. Oh. Why didn't they do this two and a half years ago? Why did they wait so long? Because oh. they wanted to put it right in the middle of my campaign, prosecutorial misconduct. This is something that we've heard from former President Trump. And of course, um, there is no evidence that this is election interference. But Deepa, um, he puts this timestamp of 5 p.m. I mean, we have no reason to corroborate, or we can't corroborate that, I should say, at this point. But we have been waiting for what feels like an imminent indictment. Right. And in that meantime, you have seen him post consistently about this. And this is also, I should point out, a topic that the White House does not want to get into. The Biden campaign does not want to get into. So what you see as we're waiting and waiting and waiting for this announcement to come out is Trump really take control of the narrative here a Mm. little bit, because because all you hear from uh, Biden himself, from the White House, from the DNC is a lot of silence. And so that's something that, you know, we should also be watching at the same time is what the reaction from from Democrats will end up looking like. No, it's such an interesting point. And I've asked the president about this. I've asked people around the president about this repeatedly. Are they going to get more engaged in talking about these indictments? And the answer continues to be no. The president is going to continue to do the work, this is what they say, of being president. He's, of course, traveling across the country, touting what he sees as his biggest accomplishments. Is that smart strategy right now? Should he continue? Or at some point, do the gloves need to come off? For now, it's absolutely the right strategy for two reasons. One, he's got the unique ability that only incumbent presidents have to be the incumbent president, to go out there and tout his economic record, which they have been very aggressive to uh, doing. But second, the attack that the Trump folks are levying on him is that this is Biden's politicized Justice Department. Mm. The second the president weighs in, he gives that mm. some legs. Bingo. So stay away from it. Take any oxygen or as much oxygen as he can out of that argument and do what he needs to do. It's not like the rest of us aren't all talking about this. That earlier from Kristen Welker moderating uh, Meet the Press on MSNBC today, along with uh, Deepa Shivaram, who is an NPR political reporter and Mo Elithi, who is the executive director of the Institute of Politics and Public Service. And by the way, Mo is absolutely right. There's no reason for President Biden or his administration to say word one about any of these indictments. It's unnecessary. It's already being covered quite well by the media and, of course, even Trump's media allies. Now, as I say that, I am starting to see some tweets come out. Uh, Let's see. Zachary Cohen, national security and justice reporter with CNN, tweeting uh, about 23 minutes, so about 5.15 this afternoon. Federal grand jury hearing evidence in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election handed up an indictment on Tuesday in the federal courthouse in D.C. The foreperson of the grand jury, along with a Justice Department prosecutor, were present in the courtroom when the indictment was returned. Uh, let's see. Judge agreed to seal the indictment returned by the grand jury. 
No information given in court about the number of defendants or the identity of any defendant. The judge also approved a summons for the unidentified defendant or defendants to appear in court. And so that is sort of the latest we're hearing on that. And by the time you're hearing, this may be more coming. And you know what? If you're listening on the America One Radio app or AmericaOneRadio.com, you're about to get the headlines next. So maybe they'll be able to update you. If not, follow along at RonchoATL on Twitter or on Facebook for the latest information. I'll pass it on. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on America One Radio or right here where you podcast. Thank you for listening.